The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. Greg Flat joins us today. He is the president of Flat Earth Networking. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, I'd like to hear a little bit about your CyberPath. I know that you've been you've been now with Flat Earth. You started it what twenty six years ago? Twenty six years ago. That's right. Wow, that's really, that's amazing. I I I just uh, my little firm VCSO Services. We just hit the five year mark, and I always said if I can make it five years, then that's a measure of being successful. And you're successful five times over. So, um, how how and why did you get involved in IT and then start Flat Earth? And what is Flat Earth too? I guess I should ask too. Sure, let's start there. So Flat Earth Networking, we are a, a consultancy and managed service provider based out of Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and we service clients all over the world. We uh, we are a business-to-business organization and only work with other businesses. Um, <clears throat> so we work with organizations of all sizes and across all verticals because we focus solely on the security aspect of IT. So that's that's the uh, you know, the differentiator. What we do is just focus on that. But it wasn't always that way. We actually started off as an ISP, and this was back in 1996. Started as an ISP, and we were a, a tier two ISP. So we were reselling T1s and then doing dial-up and ISDN. So very, very uh, long you know, time a, lo- a lot of people probably don't know what those terms mean. Nowadays, <laughs> but I certainly do, and I... I, I... 1.544 meg oh, yeah. for a T1, yeah. if I remember. Hey, there we go. That is right. You got it. You nailed it. But uh, so we were we were working with clients. And the other thing that we did at that time is uh, custom databases for websites. So we put we put brick and mortar companies on the web. This is before Amazon, before yeah, really the first person on that in that space was Yahoo that offered up a storefront toolkit that made it very easy. So we were a couple of years into it, and one of our clients called us and asked what we did for security. They were buying a T1 from us. They asked what we did for security. I said, well, nothing right now. Give me about two weeks, and I'll give you an answer. So took that two weeks, did some research, found a little company that was just starting up in this country called Checkpoint Software Technologies. Um, they had a firewall. It was revolutionary. So we we I went, and I researched all of that, and then I went back to our client, and uh, subsequently lost the business, didn't know how to position it in the market, didn't know what to do from a, you know, from a business perspective, understood the technology, but really didn't understand what to do with it. And so they bought it from somebody else, went about my merry, my merry way. About two months later, they called me and said, hey, Greg, um, this company out of the Midwest that sold us the checkpoint can't get it configured. Can you come in and do it? And I'm like, Sure. So I went in, I charged them more uh, for the services than I originally was going to, but didn't get the product sale. At that point, it was very obvious to me that this is where we needed to be. You know, the ISP was already ramping down. We had other toolkits. Um, DSL had come out. So there was there was a lot of competition on that side as well for high speed, low cost internet. And I said, this is where I need to go. So at the end of 1997, I sold off all of the ISP information, bought my then partner out, and jump, just jumped both feet into the security space. And that's what we've been doing ever since. 
And that's actually how you and I first met um, when I was back at Middle Tennessee State University. I'm going to guess this is circa 1999 ish. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, it was uh that was my first experience with a, with a, with a firewall, as opposed to like just doing ACLs and a Cisco router. Yep. It was a, I still remember it was a checkpoint on a Nokia IP 440. That thing was a beast. It was, it was wonderful. It was just absolutely wonderful. It took me a little while to figure out the difference between the management interface for the Nokia and for the checkpoint. But, right. um, you know, I, I wish that some folks that are in cyber today could have like learned on that sort of a platform because it really it was it was it was ahead of its time at that point in time. But um, but but why why IT? Why did you choose to go down this path to begin with? Well, I was I mean, I was repairing computers, so I was working, I was selling computers. It was at CompUSA. And um, so I had moved from the sales floor into repair. I had been working on repair, had a guy come in and just it, happenstance. He was talking about trying to get his used CD and record shop on the Internet to sell to a broader audience. I thought, well, that's a great opportunity. I know a guy who has a uh, you know, who can do development, database development, um, and I understand how the computers work. So I bought it was actually a uh, a pizza box Mac. So I think it was I think the model was a 6100. It was just a off the shelf box connected it to the Internet through an ISDN connection four bonded channels. And we started serving websites. And that's I mean, that chance encounter with a guy who had come in for repair had kind of put me on this path. Well, that yeah. And uh, um, sometimes it is those chance encounters that oh, yeah. really lead us down. I mean, I never thought that I'd be doing what I'd be doing here. And I had a chance encounter just when I reached out to somebody in the, in the MSP space almost six years ago, just a, a kind of a whim. I was just thinking, it's like, Hey, I've heard about this virtual CISO stuff. Um, do you, do you need somebody? And it turned out he did. It was just, it was a chance. It was literally like one of those things where I probably was sitting down having a beer and I'm like, well, why not just send something out and see what I now look at today. So, <laughs> Uh, you most, so, so, so flat earth. Okay. You said that you're global. So what's the type of company that y'all work with? And we do, we work across all verticals and all sizes. Um, our smallest client is one location and three users. Our largest client is hundreds of locations and tens of thousands of users. So it really, it really runs the range. And, you know, my, my 28 year old self, if you had asked him who your ideal client was, it would be the person who could write me a check. My, <laughs> my, yeah, my 51-year-old self, my current self, when when I'm asked that question now, it's, of course, the person who can write me a check. But more important than that, or equally as important as that, is that they understand the value that we provide to them and that it is significantly more valuable to them. What we do is more valuable to them than the dollars that they spend with us. That's the, when I look at my client base, those are the folks that we, we really provide a, a significant service to and are, in my opinion, in a better cybersecurity position than they were before we started working with them. I got to ask the question just because it came to my mind and I've never asked you this question before. The name Flat Earth, where does it come from? 
Hey, you know, it's a um, it's a it's a closely held secret. There's only <laughs> okay. there's only three people in the world that know. Um, it would, it we, would the, take a yeah, it would take a, take a few more beers in order for me to to pry okay. that one. It's not super exciting, but it's yeah. Well, it's I mean, it is it's got the the characteristic of being a unique name that people remember. So it and and, and I I would imagine that the first part of it obviously is related to your last name in some way, shape, or form. Sort of. Well, we won't go down that path. All right. <laughs> so working though, and and with Flat Earth, um, you've with your uh, large uh, eclectic base of clients. Um, obviously, some of those are small and mid-sized businesses. Yes. What, what would you think is a one of the most significant threats in cyber information security to SMBs today? Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent question because we um, we definitely segment out the the market, and we have the SM, SMB, SME, small to medium enterprise, and then the very large enterprise. And one of the primary differences between those two segments is the very large enterprise group typically has cybersecurity professionals that work inside the organization that are you know, equivalent to the to the level of knowledge and experience that we have. Where mm-hmm. the SMB space. They, they frequently have a strong technical group, somebody that you know manages their network and understands the, the systems that they run, but they're not cybersecurity specialists. And so the, one, of the, one of the biggest challenges right now is actually the, uh, the adoption rate of cloud and outside services, because it has removed that, that traditional um, perimeter that we had seen before. So in a lot of SMBs, you know, 10 years ago, we'd go in and we would ask them, it's the question that I always ask, what data is important to you? And then my follow-up question is, where is it? (laughs) Typically they could tell me what the data is, but they couldn't necessarily tell me where it was. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's very, very normal and very typical. So our first step would be to make sure that we would, this is 10 years ago, we would secure that edge, that perimeter. And we would say, okay, everything inside here is important to us. Everything out there, we're not so worried about. Yeah, the and, the, the classic castle moat thing that, that yep. we, we, if you want to use the term, grew up with in the industry. It is. And that has- it, it was. <laughs> it was. It, it significantly changed, as you know, you know as, as everything is being pushed out into the cloud and- where SMBs didn't necessarily have a, they the need was always there, but it was it wasn't an acute need, an obvious need that they needed to secure their supply chain. Mm-hmm. They needed to make sure that the uh, where their data was now residing had equivalent or better security than the security that they had in place uh, for their for that traditional perimeter, and we find that most small businesses and we're a small business. I mean, we're focused on running our business. So there's as other aspects of our business that we just rely on outside people for. We just went through, we just went through a, a change in our health insurance, our medical insurance that we offer to a group. We don't do that internally. Mm-hmm. We rely on an outside expert to do that. And that's, that's where a lot of the, the small businesses need to kind of focus is to, is to get a trusted partner get somebody who that they can, you know, bring in and do the overall architecture or do the management because it doesn't stop once once the systems are implemented. 
they still have to be managed on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But the biggest challenge that I've seen, again, is that the data is being spread among lots of different places, lots of cloud providers, whether it's, you know, Microsoft or uh, Salesforce or whatever it is, that, that, that the important data is being spread out. And there needs to be an effort to understand and, you know, plan for the eventuality that the data is either going to be lost or leaked. So, you know, back in the day, um, I appreciate that insight because it, it it made me remind when we started to talk back in the day about the firewall would be the first thing you put in. A lot of times you'd hear folks say incorrectly um, that, hey, I got a firewall. I'm completely secure, you know. Right. And now I think you hear people say, well, hey, I keep all my stuff out on Office 365, so it's secure. I don't have to worry about it. And just like right. in the past, that's 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 not the right attitude. It really isn't. And um, Microsoft is a, is a prime example. We use O365, or mm-hmm. now Microsoft 365, as a lot yeah. of companies do. It's very, it's very convenient and does have, offer a high level of security. But unless you have increased your, um, your Azure licensing, there is no way for you to put in uh, controls to stop people from outside of your country from logging into your system. Mm-hmm. So with the, with the base Microsoft license, a threat actor from China could, if they had your username and password, could access your, your mailbox and all of your information and you'd never know it. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's a good example of where, yes, Microsoft is an excellent platform. It has high usability and great utility, but unless you know how to configure it and you have ongoing monitoring, that's the other piece is that there are all of these things that are put into place. Really, you need a central place to be able to monitor and understand what your, what your, your threat level is and, and where all the systems are. And, and this places such an importance on on vendor management and and which it seems like that that is um i don't want to necessarily say exploded um but that's a real problem as well too we've traditionally if you wanted to do a check the box with like say a service provider you ask them for their sock too they give it to you right. you don't see any exceptions there and bada bing you're done but that's not true right. either because you're you're that's just the beginning i think there and I would tend to agree with you that that is one of the larger threats out there about not only maybe that they don't know where their information is, but they don't truly understand or perhaps don't care that how it's protected because they're assuming like the firewall of the days past that it's just magically protected. So I think, I think it's less that they don't care and and more that they don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the better way to say it. I, I think that they, Actually, anybody who's who is in business has to care about that because they've seen enough stories of people that in small businesses that get dinged. You know, there's a statistic out there, and I'm going to do one of these things because that just reminded me to get on my soapbox for a second. Anytime I can mention this, I do. The statistic reads something like this. Um, 60% of small businesses that suffer a data breach will go out of business in six months. I yep. challenge anybody to be able to find the exact source of where right. that statistic comes from, because you'll go around and around and around. It, it apparently started with a misconception from some federal agency at one point in time. I don't remember the exact stuff. But regardless of that, 
it is true where it's if you're a small or mid-sized business and you suffer a data breach, it it could really it could wreck your world. It could wreck your business. So, well, it's in this um, the other statistics, I've heard the number anywhere from 60 to 98 percent. Mm -hmm. I have actually seen small businesses go out of business because of a, a data breach. Sure. The the reality is that every data record has a value of about $100 to mitigate if it has been lost. <clears throat> so if you have 100,000 data records, or even make it smaller, you have 1,000 clients, you have 1,000 people, it gets out into the internet, and you need to buy credit monitoring services for them. Mm -hmm. That's $100 a year. You have to buy, I think it's a year. You have to buy a year. It's $100 times 1,000. That's real cash that a small business has to lay out. And so it comes right off the bottom line. And it, and, and it's cash that if uh, they might say, well, it's, hey, I got cyber insurance. Everything should be fine. But now you get back to the beginning of like, well, cyber insurance, uh, the, the underwriters are going to make sure that you have a strong security program and controls in place. If you don't have right. it in place, guess what? They're not going to pay out. Um, so, so, okay. Being a small business owner, as you said that you are right now, and been doing this for a long time, not only in it and infosec, it gets it just being an entrepreneur, I'm sure it gets to be very stressful. So, um, Greg, what's one of the things that you do to decompress, to get away from the stress of all of that? Yeah, I, I I say that if there were if there were thirty six hours in the day, I could I could work twenty four hours of them. But um, I love I've got four children, mostly adults now. They range from seventeen to twenty five. Uh, three girls and a boy, and something that we that we started doing, I guess two thousand six was traveling in an RV. So we take the family of six, we load up in the RV and we go and we do something. So we pick a place, call it the pivot point where we're going to turn around and head back home. And then we were attempting before my youngest graduated high school, she's a junior, to go to all lower 48 states. Mm -hmm. And in order to count to state, we have to stay overnight and do something. That something can be the world's largest ball of twine, the you know second largest wooden nickel, um, the, one of my favorites was Carhenge, which is in Nebraska in a field. And it is literally a life-size replica of Stonehenge made out of cars, painted gray. <laughs> it's bizarre, but, uh, yeah. So we travel a lot in the RV, take trips, you know, try to do two weeks at a time and successfully as of this year, finished all 48 States. We got all 48 States in this year. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. That's one of the that's why I like asking this question, because I, I well, first of all, I always say that I, I, we have to get away. I mean, it's not just an IT and cybersecurity, it's it, it, but that it is a very high stress environment. Um, that's a that's a goal for my wife and I. We don't have any children, but but once if I ever decide to retire, which right now, the way things are going, I probably won't. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you can work on the road, which is great. Oh, yeah. Um, but we want to do that. We want to get an RV. We just want to travel around like that, take our pups with us and, and do that sort of thing. So. So I'm feeling a little jealousy here. <laughs> I would highly recommend it. I, I do. I absolutely love it. I didn't think I was going to, but every chance I get, I, I climb into the front seat of, it's a 40 foot RV. Uh -huh. uh, I climb into that front seat and just drive. 
It's, well, it's I, wonderful. I may have to ask you for advice someday, but uh, so so uh, future plans. You you obviously don't have. You, you've gotten all forty eight states. So, but but uh, future yeah. future plans as far as uh, career and uh, flat Earth keep on going the way you've been going. Uh, we're going to keep on going the way we're going. Uh, I mean, obviously, the the great thing about this industry, as you know, is that it changes. And those changes allow us to continue to grow without having to necessarily go out and find the opportunity to change. So as as the perimeters collapse and we get more, you know, XDR, EDR requirements or things like that, we get to we get to embrace these new technologies and build services and, and solutions around them. So it's uh, I I don't see it slowing down. I mean, I really don't. We're having a great time. I, I love my job. I love coming into work. So and love working with folks and meeting great people like yourself. That's awesome. I I feel I feel the same way. Why I think I probably won't retire. And and I should say, and I I, I mentioned this a little bit beforehand, but but um, of course it was early in the in the flat Earth uh, history. But uh, one of the things that left a lasting impression on me was the just the excellent interaction and customer service. It's obviously that's what you all built your foundation of your company on. I'm sure that that has you've just grown on that. And that that's really you talk about 26 years of being successful. Sometimes people come to me and ask me, well, um, how, Greg, can you be successful in being a small business owner? And that's it exactly right there, because if you I, I say if you have a heart of a servant, you'll always be successful. And I know you all right. do so. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure catching up. I'm still thinking about the RV. I'm like, well, I, gotta, <laughs> I think I'm going to go online and start pricing right now. But I really appreciate your time this morning. Yeah, it's, it's been a great time. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. And everybody, stay secure.